listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. After a short break, we're back. Yes, we are. Rested. Are we rested? I don't know. Never rested. Never enough. It was a good break, though. Yeah. But yeah. I think I think we're ready to be back. We are. So we're back and it's a new year, 2020. Happy 2020. It's a big year. WTF. Where did the time go? Typically when a new year rolls around, what often happens is you see a lot of people starting to get really excited about what's next. Trends uh, are usually a popular thing uh, and people like to try to guess what's coming down the line, right? Yeah. So usually we'll talk about like new trends. Uh, people are trying to like get this term. I think it's called... Uh, new morphism or something do you know what i'm talking about no clue like we had skew morphism which is a real okay. thing and now people are like "Ooh, new morphism uh people are talking about like google it i guess yeah <laughs> people are trying to talk about like what is going to happen for designers next and should designers now focus less on software and more on ai machine learning uh blockchain yeah for the record these things really annoy me um like Especially when you put it into a top 10 list and you and people are like preaching that this is where the world is going. The weirdest that, thing to me yeah. is that year after year, we have these big publications saying like, here's the top trends that are coming this year. And then like, they just don't ever pan out. Like, why do we keep going on this behavior, even though it, like it's never accurate? Yeah, I think some people do it just to like see if they're right and look back on their old thinking. Like if it's an individual, I don't know about any publications or anything, but... Um, I think we're curious. I think we want to be prepared. I think we want to know what angle if we should focus our careers and our, our, our learning, our education, um, so that we can stay cutting edge. Like many of us who are in this product design world, um, sort of came into it at the right time. Um, Oh, for sure. And like, like very lucky, you know, we we're lucky we're successful because of it. Um, and so like, you know, wanting to stay ahead of that, I can, I can see that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But I also can see that it's it's a little silly in my mind. So <laughs> sorry if you ever wrote a top 10 things that are happening in the next decade list. No, sure. It's all fun. But at the same time, what I think what happens is, especially for new designers or junior designers, they start seeing these trends and they start saying, like, "Ooh, you know, I, I was really excited about maybe. Uh, web app design but now i'm seeing that maybe i should get into like machine learning and so yeah. now i have to go change my course yeah or even ex as experienced designers like i don't know if you have experienced this but there were times in my career where i was like ooh, ooh, machine learning like maybe i really maybe as a designer i need to go learn python like for whatever reason just so i'm prepared yeah well and you're i mean you're interesting because you're actually in a working on autonomous vehicles so yeah so i'm like, like is that a, is a of, hot new thing <laughs> yeah well, and this goes back to the conversation that, you know, designers often, often have. It's like, should I be a generalist or should I be a specialist? Like, do I need to know a little bit of everything or do I really need to dive into something, you know, and, and know it really well? And so when you get into things like VR and AI and any sort of machine learning, um, that's one of those things that people go, oh, is this going to be the forefront of technology? And do I need to really dive into this and know it? Yeah, that is the question, right? Like, either you want to get ahead of that curve and train yourself and be someone who other companies like want to utilize because you're an expert in that, that arena or you like, you don't want to fall behind, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. want the industry to get ahead and then suddenly you can't find a job because you didn't learn blockchain. Are there, I mean, I guess there are examples of things that have fallen behind in the past. Um, mostly like I'm, I'm trying to be like, well, where, where did people focus in, in our sort of history of design where they've gotten left behind? Um, 
there i mean you've got do you have any examples well, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind that this is really the crux of why i have a a, a problem with thinking of like this kind of like projection forward i don't think it's healthy or valuable i really don't and what i mean by that is you know you had a ton of people this massive industry who really invested in like adobe flash right yeah and yeah everyone was so excited and honestly there was a time when it was really big right like i used it i learned a lot from it i uh you know i, I came up with really some really cool work with flash but at the same time where's flash today it's completely gone and yet yeah. we all still have jobs well i mean i mean uh kind of i i was thinking about software too that's that's an easy one it's like uh when i was learning uh graphic design we use quark express quark express is no more um adobe PageMaker was a was a program that i used and then i um took some time away from design when i came to san francisco because it was a dot-com bust and i couldn't get a job um and so I worked in another field for a while and then i came back and it's like what is this adobe indesign thing and so like the learning curve there was super steep, but yeah, you were able to keep up like software changes. You know, we've gone from Photoshop to sketch to Figma and, you know, maybe back to sketch. I don't know what people are using these days. Um, but that stuff is pretty easy to come, come past. One of the things that we have seen in like print design is that, you know, gra graphic designers aren't finding as much print work and we've got a lot of, you know, folks who are, you know, as like magazines and, and books are going digital, um, there's a lot more folks that are trying to transition over into UX or product design. And so that's not, I wouldn't say that's a mis misstep. If you wanted to still study graphic design, you just have to know that that's not necessarily where, you know, the large amount of jobs are and it's not where a large amount of the pay is either. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that is the underlying point that I personally have on this, which is you should it's okay, of course, to pursue like these new hot things. It's okay to go and try to understand AI and machine learning and all these things. Like, it's totally okay if you're really interested in VR. If you approach it, however, with a perspective of like, you know, putting all your eggs in that basket and saying, this is the career I'm going to specialize in. This is going to be my sole focus. It might not work out for you. But if you approach it from the mentality of, okay, I am a, a product designer. What does that mean? Well, it means like you have a really good understanding of how to conduct research. It means that you can uh, take design concepts and transform them into really strong visuals with good interaction flows. And you kind of need to approach it from a foundational level so that no matter what industry you go in or what the technology evolves into, you have those core skills and you can apply them. Yeah, well, and it starts from, you know, defining problems and being able to understand why things are problems, who they affect um, and, and what the technology solution is to solve them. So I think then that's the difference between like sometimes product designers and UX designers, although UX designers do dabble in that too. I don't know. I think, um, one of the things I've been thinking about is I, I got asked, I think to do a, I think I've actually done this twice this year, but like, Hey, what's the future? What do you see coming? And I hate, like, I hate it so much just because of this whole, like, don't love predictions. But the things I usually that come to mind for me are tend to be more, um, surprise, surprise, managerial things, because that's my role. Like I worry less about the technology and what I want to learn for my craft because my craft is actually leading teams and managing people. And I think a lot more about sort of the problems that we've created, um, that maybe were missteps and as an industry, as an industry, I'm um, not necessarily as individuals. And, and, and by that, I mean, things like, um, design, designing ethically, having some sort of social responsibility, um, which, you know, the industry wide has made some, some missteps, mistakes. Um, another thing I think about is like, uh, 
inclusion and, and hiring um, for di- with diversity in mind. And we've done a really, really shitty job of that. Uh, so then I start to think about like, hey, you know, well, what did we do? Well, we, we didn't, we, did, we either didn't know or we didn't care. And so when I look forward, those are the things that I see the industry focusing on and getting better at. Um, and I think we've mentioned this, but the other one is like senior career paths that comes to mind. Um, another one I've been thinking a lot about lately is like mental health. Like how do we support mental health, not just in design, but in technology where these, we work in these really um, intense, fast paced jobs. We say, you know, uh, we, we work fast. We, you know, done is better than perfect. And just like this constantly shipping mentality, um, that takes a toll on people. So those are kind of the spaces that I get really interested in talking about because I think that those sort of foundationally change an industry and give opportunity to more people, perhaps even more so than like, Hey, um, are you getting good at like AI or something like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Machine learning. I agree with you. In fact, you reminded me that I have written uh, a forecasting post on my website. Oh, have you uh, talking about where (laughs) I, I see product design going? And I really actually approach it from the exact same perspective you have. I say, look, design, especially product design is maturing. Mm hmm. A number, you know, product design has been around for quite a while, Mm -hmm. but it's now kind of reaching a place where it's not peak, but a lot of people are cognizant of the fact that the apps you use every single day on your phone are designed. They're carefully designed, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, design is kind of not creeping, but it's, it's really nudging its way into even older industries now. And now we're talking about design thinking, whether or not you like that term doesn't matter, but you know, people are starting to say, oh, this concept of design of this intentionality of finding and solving problems. Mm-hmm. This is something that might be important. And so now you look around and there's a lot of open roles across the world for UX designers, UI designers, product designers, mm-hmm. research is starting to grow, content strategy. And these are all core components of like what makes a good product uh, well-designed, right? And mm-hmm. so I think with this maturing, to your point, we're starting to see some interesting things. Facebook is a prime example. You know, We both work there, so we have a lot of experience behind the scenes. And I think when we look at the experience of Facebook, there were a number of years when it was almost celebrated. People loved it. It was almost like a, a golden child of design oh, where yeah. you had these designers who were for the first time really in, in history, you had designers who were building products literally used by billions of people. And like not many yeah. people have the chance to do that. And there's a lot of interesting problems that come about with that, that mm-hmm. work. And as a result of that, now we're in an era where like, ooh, some of those decisions maybe were not... Um, they had, they had an impact that I think not a lot of people could have predicted, including the designers and the business people. So now what we're seeing is that we need design leaders who are cognizant of the implications of the work that their teams are doing every day. And mm-hmm. so now we have designers who are not trying to prototype in like these nice clean UIs. They're prototyping, understanding that the world is busy. So if you're designing an app, you need to have notifications coming in all the time. And maybe the user is going to switch between apps. And like now we have this responsibility to understand that our work does not exist in this pristine kind of dribble like universe. It exists in a very messy, complex world. Yeah. And there's a lot. I mean, trying to trying to think of how to how to put this all together. But there's there's a lot of things there. It's like, you know, messy, clean environment. There's some version of like service design there that understands that there is experience not only in app, but like, you know, out there in the world. Um, now that I'm in, in business software, you know, you, you start to actually, I've, I've kind of, this is my first like enterprise software experience. But I do think about 
when I worked on in education, I was also working with teachers, which presents a new user set. Like a lot of the time, a lot of the time when you work in consumer facing design, like you just think about yourself because you're the consumer. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really, um, it's a skill to be able to, to understand users that are unlike you, whether they're consumers or, or business users that you have not, you know, been a, uh, a, a work, a workspace, uh, architect or something like that. Um, but there's also things like, and when we talked a lot about this at Facebook, uh, you know, thinking about devices, I'm, I, I don't know if you remember, but we had an empathy lab where you would go and you could like see all the different kinds of Android dev- devices because, you know, whether or not you have an iPhone, it does not matter. The world is not primarily using iPhones. You know, they're using like Windows phones and all sorts of different uh, fidelities of um, Android phones. And so like there's, it's not just about building empathy because in some ways you can never truly understand the experience of someone outside yourself. And that's definitely a learning that we had in many ways at Facebook. But how do you, you know, how do you, how do you design that if you can't, if you can't understand, I mean, it's so natural for people, um, especially, you know, our privileged white selves to be able to just think from our own perspective and think about, you know, Hey, like I use it this way. Um, I was actually just talking to one of my teammates and, you know, we were having a conversation. It was like, Oh, I think that this works because, or, you know, I, I thought that this was the best solution. And I remembered back, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I remembered back to, a um, a undergrad instructor I had in, in my BFA, BFA program for graphic design. And she was like, I don't care if you, you know, you'd say, Oh, I like this. And she's like, I don't care if you like it. Why does it work? Um, so trying to really like understand your decision-making, um, which is something like when we think of, of good, um, good design, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you rationalize your decisions? Do you root it back to the problem? Do you understand who you're solving for? Do you understand needs? Um, there's some really interesting stuff in there that like, and then zooming back into devices and, um, the fact that there's other things going on, like it's, it's how do you, how do you deal with complexity? Yeah. I love this because I think this is also a symptom of the, the maturity of not just product design, but also just of the internet. And now we're so connected that it's, I mean, I'm a little jealous, honestly, of upcoming designers now because it's never been easier to go out and see different perspectives and use cases uh, and all those kind of things that go into a good product design process than ever before. Like it's just so easy now. Now that doesn't mean people are doing it. And I think that's, that's a, yeah, thing. yeah. I still see like, I'm in a lot of like Slack, um, design groups trying to actually go off Facebook for a while. Um, but one of the things I see and is like, you know, somebody wants to learn about whether their product's working and they, so they go, Hey, can you designers take a survey for me? Or can you this look at this experience favorite. and give me, give me feedback? We have lots of favorites like this. Where we're like, no, 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 no. Like you're, you're going to a demographic that is you like, whether or not these designers are in different locations and they might be over the world, like they are in tune to details in the same way that you are like that doesn't work. Like you actually have to, like you do have access to the world in many ways. Um, and you have to be creative about that. Yeah. I think part of, I mean, I I often see this usually from students who are like, I'm doing a project at school and I just need to do a quick research survey. And this is my research for my design. And I just want to tell them, no, this is, this is the furthest thing from research what you're doing is you're just being lazy. <laughs> but again, like the, the world is there. The world's connected. Like 
everyone is now connected. And so all you need to do is like put a little work in and go find that audience and understand them. And honestly, one, two, maybe three people you talk to could really open your eyes to their experience. They're probably not using the same devices you're using. They're not using them in the same environment. They have a very busy life or maybe they don't, right? But you're not going to understand that until you go out and kind of experience those things. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of like in my head as I'm listening, I'm, I'm processing this into, you know, if we say what's what's the future, um, it's not anything like mind blowing, but um, just sort of like refocusing on skills that we already value. Two of the things that come to mind are designing systems or understanding systems design. And Absolutely. I'm, I'm not talking about like design systems where you have your you know, all of your components for your project that, you know, or your, your, sorry, not your, your product or your company or whatever that are kept in one place and you just plug and play in your yeah, engineering. Colors, typography, yeah, That's design systems. Right. I'm talking about systems design, understanding. Systems thinking, yeah. Ecosystems of things, how they relate to each other, where they show up and why, um, where they're similar, where they're different, how they connect into other systems. Um, and that's something like I, I don't know, like I see less and less of, and I don't know if it's, um, you know, that was a skill that was taught with, you know, our former information architects, like, um, and now it's, I don't, I don't know where that's being taught. Um, but that's something that is really easy for people who have a certain, like, um, I guess learning preference if they're observing and need to sit back and see the whole picture and pull it together, uh, for folks who sort of jump in and just want to solve tend to see that a little bit less. But I, I think systems design is something that, continues to be incredibly valuable and will continue to be valuable, especially when we're talking about taking things out of just, you know, um, happy paths, which are, you know, you know, the, the, the best point from point A to point B when you're designing your flow, like, you know, that's cool and all, but then zoom out and say like, look at your product and then say, how does your product work in the world? How does it work in the system of competitors? Um, and that really ends up being a place too, where, you know, when you're thinking of systems, you're actually thinking of, like business too. Um, so systems design is one that comes to mind. And like the other is just a growth mindset. And I come back to this all the time because I think feedback is still so hard for so many people. Um, I feel really fortunate to have, um, hired a team and to have a team that is really willing to take feedback. Um, one of my teammates, Christine, who's amazing, um, is always just saying like, Hey, like, do you have any feedback for me? Or I'd like to get feedback on this, or I'd like to work on this together. Um, and I see such a growth mindset in her and she learns very quickly because of that. Um, but even, you know, sometimes you in interviews or if you're in a group and you, you know, give somebody feedback, they're like, well, I did it because of this. Um, and really being willing to say like, Hey, we all have a, a shit ton to learn and being willing to like be able to ask for feedback and really receive it. Like that's a skill that, requires a growth mindset because you have to sort of admit that you have a long way to go. And that's hard for so many people because we're sort of like taught to believe that you need to like stand up and be proud and like show all you've got. Um, and especially in interviews and, uh, performance reviews and and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, designing systems or understanding systems, designing growth mindset. Like I really hope we, we go hard on those things. I think anyone who wants to really, excel in their design career over the next few years certainly for the foreseeable future absolutely those are two things that they need to invest in yeah now i want to caveat that by saying if you're really just starting out in your career you do need to focus on like the smaller scale things initially 
but it does not hurt anybody if you're just thinking ahead of, you know, how does this one screen, this one interaction, how will that impact the larger picture? And the way you can kind of go about that process is not to just dream up or think up ideas on your own. It's to go, uh, you know, go get, go pursue that feedback around your concept and your ideas. Yeah. And I, I've reviewed a couple of portfolios. Well, I've reviewed thousands of portfolios, but, um, I can think of a couple where, you know, you get somebody who might not have gone to school and it's like, they're just trying this out and they're just trying to figure it out and they'll do like five screens. Um, or they're, they'll just think through like a, a basic interaction and that's really good. You really, really have to do that. Um, but if you, if you don't see consistency across that, like your systems could be, um, understanding, you know, Hey, do you use a button in the same way? Is it the same color? Is it on the right or the left? Um, where does your cancel go? Do you use an X? Like little things like that are actually starting to demonstrate an understanding of systems. But one of the things I did when I was doing my, um, my thesis project for my, um, MFA in graphic design, I did an app. Like that was sort of my transition into product design, but I didn't know what I was doing. Um, excuse me. Oh gosh, I just forgot what I was going with a systems design. Good Lord, I lost it. It'll come back. Yeah. It'll come back. <laughs> this is what happens when you just ramble on. If it comes back, just interrupt me. But yeah. um, I, I think there's a few ways that designers can improve this kind of way of thinking. And f- I'll just tell you my experience was, you know, I really just learned through experience. I didn't know all the different use cases and issues that I needed to to design for until I started building apps of my own. And then I'd realize like, oh, uh, you know, I just got an email from a user who's using this part of the app and it, they didn't understand what was happening next because there was an error and I didn't communicate that. Yeah. Okay. So I need error states. I remembered it. So <laughs> now like I, you just through experience, you will learn those things. However, yeah. I also think there's kind of a shortcut, um, to, to learning and thinking in this kind of way, which is just think of extremes. So as you're designing, yeah. think what is the absolute worst thing that could go, yep. could go happen here? And what's the absolute best thing that could this happen? This is actually here? what I was gonna say. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was I was just saying when I was designing my thesis app, um, I what I did, you know, you could do five screens, but what I did was I I did I did a you know, hey, what are the error states? What are the worst that could happen? That was exactly it. And I ended up designing like tons and tons of screens just to make sure that I had covered every state. And from that, I learned like sort of what the what all the sort of like talons into other pieces of the app were, and you know, you can, you can understand that by just going through an experience too. God, go click on Facebook and click on every single page. Like that left-hand nav, if you're on desktop, there's just like thousands and thousands and thousands. I don't know if it's literally thousands, maybe it's hundreds. I don't know of pages that you can look through. And like, when you look through them, you start to understand that there are a lot of them are like connected in the same way or use a lot of the same patterns. Um, even if they're designed for completely different use cases, you know, buying things from people you're connected to or playing games with from people you're connected to or sending money to things you're connected to, like that's a whole system of things. So there's, that's, you know, that what's the worst that could happen or like going and seeing what's out there. So I want to come back to a few yeah, other, like, are we pretty far off? No, no, no I think <laughs> okay. this is great. And uh, I want, I want to come back to a few other traits that I think will really matter. But before we do that, I want to kind of underline why are we talking about this in the relation to what's next for design? Yeah. And I think it comes down to, look, if you excel at these fundamentals of these like really critical things, especially as product design continues to mature and evolve, what you'll find is that you can really work in any space. So a great example of that, um, I'll, I'll give you two. One is myself, where really my product design journey, well, my design journey started in branding and marketing and online stuff. And mm-hmm. I kind of got a taste for the technical aspect there. 
then I started building my own products and that started giving me some more experience. And then when I joined Facebook, I, I joined their, um, their ads product team. And I was responsible for building what they call ads manager, which is a massive product that has to connect with dozens and dozens of other teams and problem space. And Mm -hmm. it has millions of users that you have to really think through their use cases. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of got a little bit of taste for this design thinking. And now because I have that kind of foundational understanding of looking at bigger pictures, I can kind of go into other business areas. You know, I worked at profile Mm -hmm. on the profile team at Facebook Mm -hmm. and I was able to approach that the same way saying you're not designing for just one user. You're designing for millions and they all have these different needs and constraints. And how do we think about those things? And now uh, I'm able to take that, that knowledge additionally and added literally another dimension to it in terms of 3d because I'm working on autonomous vehicles and a lot of 3d visualizations. And you know, I'm not a 3d designer. I don't have a a background in 3d design, but you didn't get the job because you had the skill. You're like learning the skill once you got the job. Exactly. But I have emphasized that, I can approach 3D the same way I approach my 2D design. I have to look at the foundational elements. I need to see how they connect to each other, look at the various constraints of all our users, weigh the trade-offs, all of these kind of things, right? Yeah, there's something interesting there too. Like, I mean, the the the, the real question that we're sort of talking about is like, should I specialize in something that feels pretty future-facing? Um, and, you know, I think about, you know, there's there's sometimes where experience is really, really relevant. Like, when we were hiring on payments at Facebook, like we, we really, it would be nice to have people who have payments experience, who know how um, credit card companies work, who know how s- transactions work, who, n- who know what can go wrong, like best pa- practices for um, consummating a, tra- a, a transaction. Um, wow. My brain is like, <laughs> this is what happens when you take a break, right? You're just, you're just saying that you know, sometimes that experience, it does matter. Of course oh, it yeah. matters. Okay. Like, I, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> what is wrong with me today? Um, I, I was thinking, uh, <laughs> this is funny. It's not even January anymore. It's like, we've had a whole like two months off. Um, I was thinking when we were hiring people in education, um, it actually, you know, you, you would think that you would want people who have experience in education. Right. Um, and I'd worked at, uh, two different education companies, uh, or three different companies with two different education products. And what I found when I was hiring was that it was actually a detriment to have education experience. Okay. Why? Um, because there's many different models of learning. And so we'd have people who come in and say, your product needs to do this because that's what I learned. And it might not be the same learning philosophy that we were following. Like we were doing things like self-directed learning, project-based learning. Um, and that's sort of like a forward facing concept for education. And so if people didn't have the under the growth mindset and the willingness to be able to say, Hey, you know, I actually like care about education, but I don't know everything about education. And I have a little bit of experience, um, that actually like, if, if there was that growth mindset, that would have been great. But if it's like, no, 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 I already know, um, it goes this way. And it, it, it kind of depends on if you're coming in with sort of like some residential knowledge that's like, Hey people, you know, here's what I know about progress. Here's what learning science says about that. Or in finance, it's like, Hey, I know exactly the most efficient way to enter a credit card, you know, into a a field on both mobile and on desktop. Like those are things that are really useful, but when people have a very solid experience and expect to uh, drive with that experience, that can sometimes be hard. Um, I work on a, a, a messenger, um, I am leading on a messenger, our messenger product at Intercom right now. And I, I worked on a messenger project, the messenger and payments at Facebook. And there's some things that I can bring in and be like, 
it's really, really super valuable, you know, like, um, just the mechanics of how a messenger works, um, knowing what status, um, like online, offline indicators have to show, um, you know, knowing sort of over the years, how messenger bubbles have refined to look more conversational, like little things like that, like those feel really relevant. But if I go in and say every messenger should work this way because that's how ours did, um, you know, for example, you know, I'm, we're, I'm working on a business messenger. I previously worked in a consumer messenger. Like I might not actually have the knowledge about like, Hey, because this is a business messenger, what does that mean? Um, and so I have to be willing to come in and be like, you know, I know a little bit and I think that contributes to my understanding, but it actually doesn't mean that I know everything. And so I think that's when I'm talking about, like the experience can be a little bit detrimental. Um, I'm talking about how you come in with that experience. Like, do you come in as an expert and I think there's, there's something valuable to expertise, but is it, but is it an expert with openness or is it, you know, just a little base knowledge. So some, I'll, all going back to say like, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have somebody who has solid product design skills than specific expertise, because when you work for a company long enough, you can learn that expertise. Yeah. Wow. So much to go off on this. Um, <laughs> this reminds me. So, Usually when I tell uh, stories from like research here, I sometimes get it wrong. I just want to flag that. However, I'm confident what, what I'm about <laughs> to say, which is, um, you know, they did, they did a number of studies a few years ago and they found that in the world of golf, specifically pro golf, uh, new golfers always outperform experienced golfers. And the reason for that is because when experienced golfers run into sticky situations, they're, they function under like a a predefined set of rules or um, processes mm. that they're used to. Whereas new golfers are a little bit more creative. They don't really know those constraints. They don't have those constraints. They don't have those preconceived mm. notions. That's and so they're able to respond more creatively. So I think that's a little bit of what you're describing. Um, but one thing I want to ask you is you went into education, the education mm -hmm. space. You also went into this, you know, business space, this business messenger space. Both of those, you didn't have too much experience in. How, did, did you feel anxious as you were going into these spaces? Like, how did you think about that role? Like, did, did you have fear or doubts or did you question yourself? Did I fear or have doubts? Um, no, but maybe I should have. <laughs> I mean, all I'm looking for is we're, we're basically telling people, you know, if you build these foundational skills, you can do a lot of things, uh, including pursuing industries or spaces that you may not be experienced in. But a lot of people I might, I might, think would approach this with a lot of anxiety or doubt or skepticism saying, oh, I could never do that. Is that at all how you felt? Or how would you tell those people like, it's okay to not have experience in, for example, autonomous vehicles and yet go get that job? Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking back to a time where I was at Facebook and, uh, I had already joined the education team and I was really happy there, but, uh, one of the leaders on, um, Oculus, uh, VR, wanted me to come and have a, just a one-on-one -on -one and see if I was interested in, um, I don't, I think it might, I might've been managing. I can't remember, but one of the Oculus teams. And to me, I was like, I had the biggest imposter syndrome, um, because of the technology. It was not something I was familiar with. Um, it's, it was an emerging technology at the time. So yeah, then I had a lot of self doubt, but honestly, like I have imposter syndrome for just about everything. <laughs> So like I actually went into my current role pretty confident and I went into education pretty confident. And then only after it, I was like, holy hell, like especially in education, I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders because what we were doing was so important. Um, just giving kids equal opportunity in life, like 
that like I took home with me and you probably know that, but that, that weighed very, very heavily on me. And now I'm, you know, now in the role that I'm in, I'm, I'm also still like having to really acknowledge every day that I'm learning a lot. I've been there for a year. What I've acknowledged is that my first year was really about building a team, um, you know, getting the, uh, culture set up, working through engagement, um, and stuff that actually isn't very product related. And that was what I needed to do for the team. And now what I'm doing is saying, Hey, like I actually need to be a really great product leader. Like how do I transition over to doing that? And it's like, I'm starting, it's like I'm doing one-on-one stuff and it, it feels like I, I have a lot of imposter syndrome for that, but I can sit back and like rationalize and say, I think this is just like, you know, my maturity as a leader that I can sit back and say, Hey, but this all makes sense. Like, it's okay. Like I haven't been in this space before. And maybe there's some like lesson there of just sort of stepping back and, and giving yourself a little bit of space and a little bit of credit. Um, when you do take on something you're uncomfortable with, because like, that's what we all should be doing because that's what keeps us learning and growing. Yeah. I love that. And that kind of reminds me, um, you know, you were talking a little about the growth mindset and the way I think about this personally is a little bit more fluidity. Like you need to be fairly flexible and fluid in your pursuits. Uh, just because like, especially these days, the world is changing all the time mm-hmm. and you can either try to fight that and as a result kind of get uncomfortable or you can relax a little bit and be more flexible. And what you'll find is that you succeed. In fact, this, this reminded me of, um, you know, we, we've known a lot of people who worked in VR, whether mm-hmm. it's at Facebook's Oculus or other places. And of all those people that previously worked in VR, I don't know any of them that are still working. Yeah, in VR. it's true. They're all in completely different industries yep. now. Yeah. And so I think you need to have that kind of fluidity. So we're, we're kind of reaching towards the end here. Uh, I wanted to quickly backtrack for one second and talk about a few more skills that I think are really vital especially now, but really, uh, they're kind of evergreen. Um, and these, these points come from a a course I'm taking with uh, a great lecturer and uh, author of the book, um, or co-author of the book rise of the DEO. Mm. Uh, this is Christopher Ireland and she's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. She's teaching this course at Stanford and she's actually talking about some of the traits that, uh, she's done research on that successful designers who move into leadership show. And some of these skills I think are vital for really any designer in any position, uh, things like grit, Like, do you have the ability to just stick with it and push through the hard times, right? That's really important Uh, because you're going to have failures. You're going to have shortcomings. You've got to be able to push through those. Um, She also talks a little bit about being able to think analytically with creativity. Mm. So this is usually when we say analytics or analytical thinking, we think about like numbers or like tables, but really analytical thinking is more linear, logical processing. It's saying if someone does this in my product, this should be the outcome. But then being able to think creatively and kind of, again, like we were saying earlier, step back and say, well, there's probably dozens of other possible outcomes. How can we address those in our design? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what other skills she kind of talked about. Um, there's a lot of like uh, GSD, uh, get shit done. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's another trait where, I mean, I'm encountering this a lot in some of my my groups at work right now, and I'm trying to help them understand that you can talk about things and philosophize, philosophize, philosophize <laughs> make philosophies yeah, yeah that. <laughs> sure sure uh about about what you should do it's a completely different thing to actually do something right so of course you should plan you should think you should strategize but at the end of the day until you have something tangible in your hands it's really hard to know what an experience or design will look like and things so i think those are just a few of the the kind of traits that will also really matter as designers are starting to explore spaces and think about what they should do Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind, and this isn't, I don't want to introduce a new topic this late in the game, but let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? Um, 
you know, there's, there's sometimes this question comes up as like, you know, is AI going to take over the world or like, you know, as our tooling gets faster and smarter and like technology develops and we have more intelligent ways of designing, like, are we even going to need first, you know, first we talk about engineers, are we even going to need an engineers when the code writes itself, when the designers put their, you know, interaction design into a, a piece of software and it spits out the code, like, are we even going to need engineers? And then, then the designers are like, what happens when the design is done by, you know, some version of artificial intelligence? Design's the easiest part. <laughs> LOL. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is really like what we do is not just about sort of output. What we do is about driving outcomes. What we do is about, you know, solving problems, defining problems and solving problems. And there's like constantly... Um, never ending problems to, to solve. And one of the things you mentioned earlier was like, you know, even antiquated industries are starting to look at design. And when we think of things like, I think of like finance and healthcare, um, and, and systems that have been around since like the dawn of time, well, not the dawn of time, but probably after, you know, I don't know. Certainly since the Romans communities, <laughs> probably before that. Um, yeah, certainly since the Romans. Um, but you know, you think, you think about, you know, even some of like old school, like banks having, you know, in-house teams now, Chase Capital One um, or two that come to mind um, and all these roles that are opening, like there's, yes, it's still hard for some folks to find a job. I totally get that. But being prepared for any of those. And, and like you mentioned, you know, our VR friends are no longer in VR, like um, just making sure that you're still having the, that really rounded skill set and I think the key thing here is to like keep it really, really rounded because the more I I believe the more you narrow yourself in and I'm not talking about specialized um, sort of uh, design occupations. I'm really just talking about like, hey, are you just good at the visual design or are you just good at sort of the generation and evaluation piece? Like really understanding the breadth of design skills and going hard at, you know, adding one at a time until you have a really full skill set. And if you need a resource for that, I'm just going to plug our own intercom.design website. We share our rubric pretty publicly. Um, and so if you have, if you're like, hey, I only know a couple of these, like you can go and find our um, design, our product designer and content designer levels and look at those. Um, but I think, I think breadth of skills and really developing skills is what's going to sort of guarantee that, um, opportunity and potential success in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's if you're interested in machine learning or AI or whatever, sure, absolutely. Go pursue that. But if you really want to make sure that your career is successful in the long term, you really need to double down on what, like you, like you just said, the breadth of uh, your process and understanding and kind of how you think. And just work. be a great product designer. Well said. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Until next time. Okay. See ya.